happening on this Thursday. Thanks for joining me. As always, it is very much appreciated. Coming up later, a Patriot had a couple of revealing comments, a very nice response by the Celtics in Sacramento. But first, let's get optimistic about the Patriots' offseason. I don't know if it's the holiday spirit. I don't know if I'm just tired of talking about Bill Belichick and the future of Belichick and Robert Kraft every single day. But today, I wanted to change things up. I wanted to take a look optimistically at this offseason that the Patriots are looking at. Because here's the fact. The fact is the Patriots will have a fantastic opportunity to at least start the rebuild here in this offseason to get ready for a 2024 year with possibly a new head coach, possibly a new GM, possibly a new QB1. There's not enough optimism about this offseason opportunity for the Patriots. We get wrapped up in the drama. We get wrapped up in some of these storylines about who's not doing things correctly. We've gone through the Belichick track record of drafts. We've gone through his free agency swings and misses. We've gone through the broken quarterback. We've gone through Bailey Zappi, one half good, one half bad, over and over. But what we need to start talking about, and it begins right now, is this offseason opportunity for the Patriots, for Robert Kraft, and for whoever is going to run this football operation. Seth Walder of ESPN posted, the chance to earn the number one overall pick in the draft right now, the Bears via the Panthers, 85% shot at the number one pick. The Patriots have a 10% shot. But then you look at a top two pick. According to ESPN Analytics, the Bears via the Panthers have a 95% chance to land a top two pick. The Patriots have a 58% chance of landing in the top two. Top three, Bears via Panthers, 99%. The Patriots have an 82% chance of landing a top three draft pick in April. How about top five? It's even better. The Patriots, according to ESPN Analytics, has a 98% chance of landing a top five pick in this year's draft. And I know that we've talked about it. We've been guilty of it as much as anybody. But when we talk about these drafts, we talk about these players at the top of the draft, we talk about the quarterbacks, Drake May, Caleb Williams, and there's been so much attention on those two guys because many people agree that they at least have the potential to be a true stud franchise quarterback. So we've paid a lot of attention to May and Williams. 90% of the talk because people love talking quarterbacks. But here's the good news, and you might think, Nick, you're going crazy here. It is a little bit too much holiday cheer coming from you early on on a Thursday, and I might be going bananas. But here's the good thing. The Patriots have so many needs offensively that you feel no matter what, they're going to be able to address one of those needs in this draft. They have a 98% chance of landing a top five pick. They have clear holes at wide receiver, tackle, and quarterback three of the most critical positions in the NFL. When you start a team, when you look at good teams, you look at a top wide receiver one, you look at a QB one, and you look at a franchise left tackle. Those are the priorities when you look at building an offense the right way. Quarterback, wide receiver, tackle. Patriots, they have needs at all of those positions. And the good news is, with a 98% chance of landing a top five pick, you can address one of those three needs. There is no doubt if you're in the top five, you will have the opportunity to land a special talent 
at one of the critical positions that you have a very, very critical need at. Because if it's not going to be Drake May, it could be Caleb Williams. If it's not one of those two quarterbacks, it could be Jaden Daniels from LSU. If it's not a quarterback at all, it could be Marvin Harrison Jr. from Ohio State. If you want to go tackle Joe Alt from Notre Dame, and yes, I am a Notre Dame fan. I've watched a lot of him. Those five guys, May, Williams, Daniels, Alt, Marvin Harrison Jr., all five of those players I just mentioned have top-tier talent. They have the potential, and that's all it is because they haven't played at the next level, obviously. They have the potential to be truly special at the position they play. And so even if the Patriots don't land a top-two pick, even if they don't land the top pick, they will have an opportunity, a golden opportunity, to draft a truly special talent. And not every draft is like this. This draft has talent. And this draft is deep. We've talked about it. This draft is deep at wide receiver. This draft is deep at tackle and offensive line. This draft is more deep at quarterback than many people would have thought going back a couple of years ago. So the Patriots have had some incredible fortune. The fact that they have a fantastic shot at a top five pick in a draft where you have legitimate offensive talent sprinkled throughout this first round and absolutely in the top 10. If there's one year to land a top five pick, this is the year. Because if you don't love the quarterbacks, you feel really confident in Marvin Harrison Jr. If you don't like any of those guys, you feel supremely confident that Joe Alt can be a franchise left tackle for the next 15 years. And not every draft is like that. How about free agency? Here's what I love about free agency in the NFL. Free agency happens before the draft. That is a beautiful thing. So the Patriots will be able to pinpoint exactly what they want in free agency before they walk into the draft in late April. They will have an understanding of what they want, what they need, what they can get, and they will understand what they were able to do in free agency before they walk into that draft. So whether it's moving up, whether it's moving down, whether it's sticking and picking, the Patriots will understand what their roster looks like. They will understand how much money they had spent to that point and who they brought in. They will understand if they have T. Higgins. Did they sign T. Higgins? Because if they sign T. Higgins, then drafting Marvin Harrison Jr., that priority drops down the ladder. So the structure of the NFL offseason is going to create this kind of situation where the Patriots can go into March understanding what they need and seeing if they can get it. And if they don't get it, they now understand that they would have a top five pick in the draft where they could address something, right, at one of those three positions, whichever one they select. So this is opportunity. They have $75 million to spend in free agency. I mean, they're like a top three team as far as how much they can spend. 98% chance of a top five pick, $75 million to spend. And when you're trying to rebuild, these are the tools that you need. Imagine if we were talking about a team that was trying to rebuild on the fly with a late round pick in the first round, right? What if we're talking about somebody who's trying to rebuild? They're in that middle. They're in the purgatory that we've talked about. They won like seven or eight games. They, they have the 15th or 16th pick. Well, if you're talking about that team, imagine if the Patriots won eight games this year. 
and Mac Jones was limping throughout the season, and you understood that Mac Jones was not going to be the guy at the end of the day, and you needed a quarterback that you could believe in. Well, if you limped to seven or eight wins, you're now in the middle to later stages of that first round, which limits your opportunity. So the fact that the Patriots stunk this bad and things went this wrong is fantastic news for them because they weren't stuck in that purgatory. They now have avenues to address their biggest weaknesses. And they have those avenues that other teams don't have. A top five pick, $75 million to spend in free agency. I'll continue with my thoughts on this big offseason coming up and the fantastic opportunity that the Patriots have. Don't forget, though, if you're watching, listening, especially on YouTube, give us that like. We are live Monday through Friday, 11 a.m. every single weekday. Give us that thumbs up. More thumbs up means more eyeballs. That's how we beat this YouTube algorithm. So all of the likes, all of the thumbs up, it takes you a second. We appreciate every single one of you for doing it. Your comments, I see them. I'll get to them. And also, don't forget to subscribe. Here's another thing about the offseason that should have Patriots fans feeling optimistic. Robert Kraft at least has the opportunity because we don't know what he's going to do. But he has the opportunity to align things perfectly. And what I mean by that is if you are Kraft, you have the chance this offseason to bring in a brand new head coach a brand new general manager or president of football operations and align those two positions at the top of the mountain. You can now marry, so to speak, your head coach and your GM. And if you bring in a new quarterback, which is many, which many of us expect them to do, if you bring in a new quarterback, if you draft Drake May, if you draft somebody like Caleb Williams, if you draft Jaden Daniels, who is growing on me more and more every single day and every single week, if you draft one of those three young quarterbacks at the top of the draft, now you have your head coach, your GM, and your quarterback all aligned. And you don't have to worry about, oh, well, you have a head coach, but the GM isn't the head coach's GM. You have a GM, but the head coach isn't the you know head coach for the GM. You have a quarterback, but you know you inherited that quarterback from the prior regime. Those things get messy. That's when teams are incapable of rebuilding, rebuilding efficiently, rebuilding productively, and winning football games sooner rather than later. If you're going to rebuild, this is exactly what you want. And that's why Patriots fans should be optimistic about this opportunity because you have the opportunity to align those three positions, head coach, GM, quarterback, in the same offseason. You have the resources to find the next great quarterback at the top of the draft. You have the resources of $75 million to spend in free agency to help support that young quarterback. How many young quarterbacks do we see get drafted by a head coach who's on his way out, by a GM who might be gone, by a head coach GM situation that's not great? How many times do we see a young quarterback drafted onto a team that doesn't have $75 million in, in cap space to spend to help the offensive line and help the weapons around that young quarterback. And how many times do those quarterbacks fail time and time and time again, this is a chance to build a legitimate timeline to take that next step as an organization, to get back to where you were five years ago, six years ago, this is the chance. And you have so many ways to get there. It's exciting. 
It really is. It, it's exciting, and we should be optimistic about the opportunity, the chances this team will have to build that established, legitimate timeline. Now, of course, the most crucial aspect of all of this is hiring the right person for each top job. And I think that the Patriots are a desirable spot in the league. I really do. We've talked about that over and over and over again. You can check out prior pods. I do think this franchise is, quote-unquote, sexy to people within the NFL. Let's look at some of these comments before we move on because uh, I actually did a draft simulation. I did three of them just to mess around, see where we could land and what would happen. Uh, James jumps in, though, and asks, uh, what does the wide receiver draft look like for us? It actually looks fantastic, James. And I'm not that's not hyperbolic. There are seven, eight receivers that could go in the you know first 40 picks or so. Pro football focus, and you look at these rankings uh, across – many of these websites and analytically, and and there could be as many as 10 wide receivers drafted by the middle of the second round. We're talking about Marvin Harrison Jr. We're talking about Keon Coleman. We're talking about neighbors. I mean, there's so many guys that I can, that I I can name Adunze from Washington. There are legitimate wide receiver one prospects throughout this first round. Xavier worthy is another guy from Texas, little on the smaller side, but the, the draft is deep at wide receiver, and that goes hand-in-hand hand with this idea of opportunity and being optimistic of what the Patriots can build. Let me see. Mrs. Snoop or Mr. Snoopy A? Mr. Snoopy A. Talking about Robert Kraft. He's the cheapest owner ever in the history of the NFL. Points the finger at everybody else. Big-time cheapskate. He wasn't cheap in 2021, was he? He allowed them to spend. I think Robert Kraft wants to win. And whether or not he's willing to spend at the very tippity top of the mountain, we've talked about it, real cash spending. I think Robert Kraft wants to win. He's in his early 80s. He's desperate for another championship. And the last time the Patriots had this amount of cap space, what did they do? They went on the splending spurge of 2021. And Bill Belichick didn't necessarily allocate those resources as well as he could have. Dima, 297, before we move to the uh, draft simulations, they thought they had their next quarterback, Nick. Mac Jones, what happened to him with no weapons, no O-line? Their confidence, we've seen it again and again. I agree with you, and I know people disagree with me. I think Mac was broken by this system and what he wasn't given. I've said that a million times. I know many would disagree with that. It is what it is. We'll just agree to disagree on why Mac became who he became. But that's what I'm talking about. They have the ability to build around this new quarterback if they do it right. And it starts at the top. I don't think Bill Belichick is the guy calling the shots personnel-wise. I just, I don't see it. You can't do it. All right, let's move to uh, some draft simulations and have some fun here before we move on to uh, a Patriot saying some revealing things uh, yesterday to A to Z. Uh, None of these scenarios are bad. And again, I'm going to tell you, like, I could be overly optimistic today because it's almost Christmas and I love Christmas, but I don't think I'm being overly optimistic. I had some fun with draft simulations over at Pro Football Network. And here are the different situations and scenarios that played out. I decided to draft a quarterback at number two. Okay. That's where I started. My first mock draft was drafting a quarterback. 
Here's how the draft fell to give you an idea. If you're wondering what types of players could be there for the Patriots in the first three rounds, I picked Drake May. And this doesn't mean I'd pick Drake May at two. Again, this is kind of just mock draft simulating. I picked Drake May at two. Second round pick, I actually was able to make a trade in the third round later on, which will make some sense to you. And it all kind of pieced together. So Drake May was two. Kingsley Suamatea was uh, at 35. He's an offensive tackle from BYU. Many think he could be a first-round pick. So I start with the quarterback, the offensive tackle, and then in round three, I drafted Tez Walker, wide receiver out of North Carolina. I was able to trade down a couple of spots in the third round and pick up a fourth-round pick from Atlanta for 2025. My second my second draft simulation, I drafted Marvin Harrison. I know many of you love the idea of drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. I drafted Marvin Harrison Jr. I wondered what would this look like if they drafted a wide receiver with that top three pick. I was able to in the second round, and who knows if this is going to happen. I was able to land Michael Penix, quarterback from Washington, in the second round, and then I drafted Tyler Guyton from uh, Oklahoma offensive tackle. So I had my wide receiver at two, who's an elite talent, Top 10 receiver, I think, once he gets to the NFL. Michael Penix in the second round is my quarterback of the future. And Guyton is my offensive tackle. How about drafting a tackle at two? And this is just to paint the picture of how many options the Patriots will have given the top five pick status that they're likely to be able to accomplish by the end of this season. So I went quarterback. I went wide receiver. How about offensive tackle in this draft? Joe Alt, franchise guy, cornerstone, left tackle from Notre Dame. Guy is terrific. Drafted Joe Alt with my first pick. Was still able to get Penix the top of the second round and then drafted Roman Wilson, wide receiver out of Michigan. So when you look at this, there truly isn't a bad scenario. I mean, I'll go through it in a minute, but when you look at how this draft could fall, in the depth at the positions the Patriots need, tackle, wide receiver, quarterback, because of the depth and because of how high up they will be in these rounds, in the first three rounds, they have such a great shot at truly landing not one, but two, and maybe even three rookies at the top of the first three rounds that could immediately fill critical holes for the 2024 Patriots. You look at my first mock draft when I drafted Drake May 2nd. What happened? I landed my franchise quarterback. I landed a talented young offensive tackle who could be there for 10 years. And I landed a wide receiver who could be a one, most likely a two. And I picked up a fourth round pick. Not bad. Franchise quarterback, young tackle that's very talented, and a wide receiver who could be a one or a two, and I picked up an extra pick for 2025. When I drafted Marvin Harrison Jr., I end up with a top 10 wide receiver, a shot at QB1 for the next 10 years in Michael Penix, and I end up getting a top 70 pick at offensive tackle. Now, you wonder, would that be enough if you waited to the third round for the tackle? But just, again, this is a general exercise to get an idea of what the Patriots could actually build through the draft process. We're not even talking about free agency, which happens before this draft and what they could do. I'll continue with thoughts on the draft simulations in a minute. Don't forget to give us that thumbs up. Let's beat that algorithm. Takes a second of your time. Doesn't cost you a thing. Like, comment, and subscribe. If you're on Spotify, Apple Pods, rate and review, and leave some comments as well if you would like. 
My third scenario, when I drafted a franchise left tackle and Joe Alt at the top of the draft, that scenario was great too. I ended up with a franchise left tackle for 15 years. I get a shot at a QB1 for the next 10 years in Michael Penix, and I get a wide receiver two that I would think you could pair with a wide receiver one via free agency. Now, I did not have the option of moving up late into the first round, which I would expect the Patriots to look at because they'll be at the top of the second round. You sprinkle in a mid-round pick. You can move up into the late first round, and you gain that fifth-year option on that rookie deal. So the Patriots, they have that option as well. Draft in the top five, then move your second-round pick to move up in the first round, and now all of a sudden, you could walk away with the idea of what the Bengals did a few years ago. They drafted Joe Burrow. They came back in the second round. They drafted T. Higgins. The Patriots will have the opportunity, and I'm not telling you that anybody in this draft is Joe Burrow, but they will have an opportunity to draft their franchise quarterback at the top of the first round, and then T. Higgins was at the top of the second round. I think he was 33rd. He was like the first pick in the second round after the Bengals picked Burrow. The Patriots will have a similar opportunity, a similar shot of landing two players like that. Obviously, it's who's picking the players. It's the player evaluation, all of that. I'm just telling you what the opportunity is. Another option is that they hold off on the quarterback. They sign the quarterback in free agency. They bring in somebody like a Baker Mayfield. They bring in somebody like a Gardner Minshew. If you do that, then you could spend your three picks in the first three rounds on an offensive tackle and two wide receivers and spend money in other places. There are lots of pathways. Lots of pathways that can help this team build. It's a fact. It's just how they do it, the player evaluation, how they allocate the resources. Because there's no denying the Patriots have incredible, tremendous resources to start this rebuild. And it's going to be happening, folks. In a month, we're talking NFL offseason. We got three games left to this dreadful season. I am so excited to talk about this offseason because of these pathways. Ed jumps in and says Bill's first three picks would be one gunner, two gunner, three defensive tackle. <laughs> oh man, I I hope I hope that it's not Bill Belichick drafting these players. I, I really hope it's not Belichick. I realize Michael Garrison jumps in and said that, you know, do your job. He hasn't. Time for Bill to go. Stanley brings on uh, uh, brings in a point that I, I agree with. Belichick controls the budget for player salary. And this was something I hit on during an earlier pod that you can check out through the channel. And again, like, comment, subscribe. I appreciate every single one of you spending your time right before this holiday season with me today. Let's give you an example. Belichick had the money to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. He decided not to bring in DeAndre Hopkins. He decided that keeping Devontae Parker and extending Parker was the right move. And obviously, that was a huge swing and a miss. Hopkins has over 900 yards receiving this year. So Bill's job is to take the money that is given to him and do the best with it. And he hasn't done that on the offensive side. All right, so there's some off-season optimism. Let's get to Trent Brown's comments quickly here. And I also want to uh, spend a minute later on here on the Celtics and that, that great win last night. If you took a poll of Patriots players, 
about who was most likely to talk, it's Trent Brown. Trent Brown has never had an issue talking. He would be very high on the list. And Trent Brown recently spoke to Sophie Weller of A to Z on Malik Cunningham. And he said, quote, that's really good for him to actually get a real chance to play his real position. Hmm. When asked if he thought Cunningham deserved more of a chance to play, Brown said what he was truly thinking. Absolutely. Everybody on the team did. Everybody. Now, nobody can speak for everybody. I appreciate the job that Trent Brown has done for most of this season because he's actually been pretty damn good. But, you know, he he can't speak for everybody on this roster. We have not anointed Trent Brown the team spokesperson, (laughs) right? If if he wants the title, good luck to him. But he can't speak for all 53. But there have been a number of teammates that have come out since the release or the signing of Malik Cunningham to Baltimore agreeing with what Brown said, which was the guy has talent. He should have been given a shot. And a lot of those guys were on the defense. Dietrich Wise spoke very highly of Malik Cunningham. Matthew Judon spoke very highly of Malik Cunningham. Jalen Mills. So a lot of Patriots have come out since... Cunningham went to the Ravens and said, that guy deserved the shot. I'm fascinated to know how many of the Patriots would actually agree with what Trent Brown said. I would be fascinated to find out how many Patriots would actually agree with the idea that Cunningham should have been given a shot at quarterback. I don't know the answer to that. Benny Benz jumps in. Hey, dudes. Hey, dude. I'd be fascinated to see how players would rank the quarterbacks that were in the room going back a few weeks ago. I'd be very interested to see, like shoot every single Patriot with truth serum and have them rank the quarterbacks that they had on this roster about a month ago. I would just be interested to see where guys would land. Where would Will Greer land? Where would Cunningham land? Where would Zappi land? Where would Mac Jones land? I'd be very interested to see how the 53 feel about the quarterbacks that have been on this roster. Now, if Cunningham does end up being miscasted by Belichick and he was trying to shoehorn him in at wide receiver, if Cunningham moves on to Baltimore and ends up being a backup quarterback, maybe ends up on another team a couple of years from now and ends up showing that he can play quarterback at the NFL level, that will be just one more indictment on Bill Belichick's latter stages of personnel moves. I also wonder if Belichick stays You know, Trent Brown, he's been important to this team. Offensive tackle is not great in free agency. How will these public comments play? Be be great to be a fly on the wall if Belichick has a conversation with Trent Brown and what he said. All right, let's wrap things up quickly here. Celtics, fantastic response in Sacramento. They absolutely pounded the Kings last night, 144-119. This does not erase the questions that had reemerged in the Golden State game that we talked about yesterday, but this was a great win. It was a fantastic response. No Tatum, no Horford, second night of a back-to-back. You had five guys, five players that scored 20 or more points last night. That is crazy. Kristaps Porzingis, his third quarter, I can't say enough about how that guy played in the third quarter, especially given the fact that he tweaked his ankle early in that period. The fact that he's out there in the third quarter, pretty much on one leg, one-legged Kristaps, much better than one-legged Juju. The fact that Porzingis is out there with a tweaked ankle, hobbling around, 
but the impact he had on both ends of the floor, catching the ball at the free throw line and finding ways to score, right? We know the three-point opportunities that he gets on this team as guys draw doubles, the pick and pops from three. But his impact, his impact defensively, not just all the blocks that he had, but how many times did you see a Sacramento King get into the paint last night and then think second, third, fourth, and go, I don't want to mess with that. Porzingis changed the tenor of that game. His early block in the first quarter against De'Aaron Fox, who started on a heater, that helped change the game early. Porzingis, you can't speak highly enough about what he's done for this team. You can't talk enough about how much of an impact he has on both ends of the floor. He is critical for this team's success. He needs to stay healthy. But he was great in that third quarter. I loved how the Celtics came out of halftime. They showed urgency. Third quarter has been an issue for them this year. Third quarter was an issue last year. They outscored the Kings 39-24 to last night in the third quarter. And they kept a foot on the throat in the fourth. So it was a great response. Drew Holiday had one of his best games of the year. You could argue his best game of the year, 21-8-9. and And Derek freaking White. Oh, I love Derek White. Derek White could, like, do no wrong in my eyes, honestly. That dude could drop kick somebody in the knee in a game, and I'd be like, oh, I understand. <laughs> he could drop a Russian leg sweep at midcourt, and I'd be like, I get it. He could do no wrong. Dude is so good. 28-2-7 last night. His shooting has taken the next step. From three, he is deadly. And White always steps up when somebody's out. If Brown's out, if Porzingis is out, if Tatum is out, Derek White always steps up and balls out. Peyton Pritchard lately has been really good, super aggressive. I love to see it. They shot 52% from three. 20 of 24 from the free throw line. An amazing 35 assists on like 51 buckets. That number is astounding. 35 assists. A buttload of assists. And only nine turnovers. And I think seven of those nine turnovers happened in the first half. Plus 13 on the glass. That's the kind of response you want to see from the Celtics after what happened on Tuesday night. But there will still be questions. I still have questions. Can they close out a championship series? It's going to continue to linger. It's going to continue to hover until they prove they can do that. And we can't act as if Wednesday, Tuesday night did not exist because of how good of a response there was last night. Appreciate every single one of you. We're back tomorrow, 11 a.m. sharp. Don't miss it. Monday through Friday, right here on YouTube. Don't forget to give us that like. It means an awful lot to us. Every single like means more eyeballs. I'm a one-man band. Don't have a producer, don't have a staff, just me, baby, just me. Appreciate every single one of you. Comment and subscribe as well. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow on a Friday before Christmas to enjoy some more time. Till then, it's the Nick Cattle Show.